Welcome to a Great Lakes Forum original. Here are your hosts, Jake Rietma and Alex Faust. The Great Lakes Forum is on the air. GLF Volume 96 begins right now. And folks, what do you know? It's another international broadcast. I welcome in the co-host of this show, Alexander C. Faust from Canada. Our friends to the north, my friend. How are you? Jake, I am great. Uh, we'll say it. I am the North. You know, I saw a lot of flags. We are the North. No, I am the North <laughs> for the volume north. 96. Yes, we the North. I am north of the border in Canada. Um, did not watch Harry Henderson's on the way up. Did not have time. Did pack an egg salad sandwich, though. It was fantastic. And yes, Oscar could have packed something even smellier. But great trip up here, Jake. A lot of travel this week, but enough time for an exciting volume 96 and I'm pumped no doubt about that we're glad to have you along on the sports radio America network SRA Faust you said uh, in pre-production you had an eventful trip to our friends north of the border and what better time now as we just begin this episode of the Great Lakes Forum to get into it Right. And I wanted to bring this to our listeners, maybe to give them some empathy or ask for empathy back, rather, if what I went through in customs today. Now, sick brag, I've been to Toronto before, as have you. And for our new listeners, my bachelor party was here. So we had some stories from Toronto. We've been to Toronto before. This time I flew into the main airport in the suburbs, Pearson Airport, which is one of the biggest airports in the world. I got off, did my, all their customs machines are electronic and these things move up and down with your height to take a picture and do cameras of you, which was a first for me. But as soon as you do that, you go into another building where Jake, I kid you not, there were 2000 people, no lines, an absolute cluster F there were kids crying. There were people swearing. There were Asian people running through the doors that open automatically to go onto the runway because they thought that was the quickest way for them to get to their flight that they were going to miss. I've never seen anything like it. So naturally, I got into a Twitter war with the Toronto Pearson Airport Twitter handle and went back and forth to tell them it's just not acceptable. <laughs> we got to be better than that. Come on, Toronto. We've got to be better than that. We, the North... Faust, I actually, for once, am on your side because that does sound miserable, and I have been in those situations. But you know what? I'm glad you battled through it. You made it to I your, did. you made it to your hotel. Not all heroes wear capes. You're giving it your all to be on this mm-hmm. edition of the Great Lakes Forum, and for that, I, I commend you, my friend. Thank you. And I mean, that's three straight weeks. I've been a hero without a cape. I don't do it for for myself. I do it for the kids and I do it for the troops. But, you know, I was really worried about those Chinese people running out of the runway. That's just not a safe area. (laughs) You got to look out for planes and all kinds of things can go wrong on the runway. That's for sure. But Faust, I think as we begin this episode of the Great Lakes Forum, there's just a lot to catch our audience up on that has Mm -hmm. taken place over the last week. You had some travel issues. I had a little big city update for you had a nice little episode on a cta bus for those of you that don't know live in downtown chicago now trying to be a big city big j 
and I had an encounter on a bus that uh, we often joke about, but this was unfortunately a reality where I had someone that was going to, quote, beat the F out of me, except they didn't say the F. And why, you ask? Because I looked at him wrong. I was on my way home from a Big J class in Evanston. This gentleman was a little bit upset, punching on the walls, as a lot of people often do, and I can understand that there's a lot of things to be upset about if you live in Chicago. And I made the cardinal mistake. Cardinal sin is simply turning around and looking at this man that was making a scene. And of course, oh, can't do that. Nope, can't nope, do that. Can't. You just got to put your head in your lap and just pretend like this grown adult that's punching the window and making a scene is perfectly normal. This happens all the time. You cannot look at this man. So I made eye contact with him. He said, what the F you looking at? I will beat the F out of you. And of course, being the little nerd that I am, just sat there while everybody else just sat there. And it was a great episode on the CTA bus. You know, Jake, again, and not to bring up old stories, but it seems like your life is on the line almost every week there in Chicago. I mean, you're getting beat up for looking at a guy on the bus, and and I've witnessed it myself having been on the bus with you. You're about as good as doing the bus as someone doing the bus can be, yet you're still in danger. This Something's going on. I know. I, I'm tr- I was trying to think, what can I do to be safer on the CTA buses? But simply looking at people wrong is, is a cardinal sin, and I just cannot make that mistake again. So I've learned my lesson. I When I board the CTA buses now, because this happened a little bit earlier this week, I simply look straight <laughs> down, don't make eye contact with anyone, keep my headphones on, and make my way to the uh, first available seat and do not say a single word. Well, I mean, not to take the other guy's side, but it it is your fault. I mean, this is all 100% your fault. That's not the only dilemma I've run into this week. And again, I I think I should apologize up front because there's a lot, a lot going on. I'm sure you guys can hear it in my voice, but I just have a lot to get off my chest as on this first segment of GLF volume 96. But I have a great relationship with my doorman at my Parkview mm-hmm. apartment building. You've met him, Ned. Nice guy. He's He does his job. Real well. nice guy. He's there to greet you and everything like that. Everything a doorman should. But I've lived at Parkview Apartments since August. And for the last, I'll say two weeks, maybe closer to a month, but certainly on more than one occasion, Ned has referred to me as Jason. He says, good evening, Jason, or how's it going, Jason? And I just haven't corrected him yet. And I don't know what to make of it because I thought Ned and I were pretty tight. I know he's called me Jake for at least six months. And I don't know where this Jason came from. And I, it's, it's like it's gone too far. I can't correct him because it's happened on multiple occasions. Well, that's the thing. You can't correct him at this point because, one, you look like a dick and you make him feel bad. Right, but then you're admitting you're admitting to yourself that you're not important enough that he actually knows your name. I know it's it's a it's, it's it's a serious dilemma. It's a conundrum because I when he said it to me, it was so clear the first time. I should have stepped in right then and been like Ned. It's it's Jake, man. We I've lived here since September or since August even. <laughs> and and you know he comes up on the roof with me a lot when I'm grilling that sort of thing. I thought we had this great relationship, but the very first time I should have nipped it in the bud and I didn't. So again, my fault. 
you know, he's got to be messing with you. you That's think? what I'm starting to think. Maybe he's messing with you, just trying to entertain. You know, it's been the doldrums of winter. It's just now starting to get. Maybe he's messing with you. I mean, I can't think of any other explanation other than maybe his dementia. That could be. I mean, the guy, the guy does have a few quirks, but that we're not going to get into that on this show. So you know, no, what? but spin zone, spin zone for you, Jake. And you know, you had mentioned in some previous episodes that you wanted your name to be Sergey, or you really basically were called Sergey when you were a younger kid. True. Growing up myself, I idolized one of the Power Rangers, Jason, and oh. thought didn't take it as far as you did, Sergey. But I would have loved to be called Jason. He was the hot Power Ranger, the white Power Ranger with the long hair, and he got the girl Kimberly, my first crush, the pink Power Ranger. So I mean maybe there's a spin zone for you. I like that. Maybe this whole Jason thing isn't the worst of the worst. That's not that's a great point by you, Faust. I maybe he knows the your love for the Power Rangers and thinks that it's a compliment to call me Jason and is then insinuating that I am a Power Ranger. He thinks you're a Power Ranger, not only any Power Ranger, the white Power Ranger and the leader of the crew who saves the world from Ivan Ooze. So take that as a compliment because you've only got a few months left in that apartment and he thinks you're a superhero. I like that. I like that, Faust. You're making me feel better already, but it's volume 96 of the Great Lakes Forum. We had the draft this past week. We'll have a ton of NFL draft reaction. The playoffs are hot. The Kentucky Derby is coming up this weekend. Faust, huge show to get in to gonna be a lot of fun here on glf volume 96 but again before we get into all of that i'm uh i want to call it a promotion um i received a little bit of a promotion from the freelance work i do for the big 10 network i was doing center remember last episode i was doing center field cameras Yes. And, uh, which is a very integral part of the broadcast, very important. And you're camped out there in center field and you frame up the picture. But this past week, I got the bump to the dugout camera. Woo! Big time moving it up the chain. Yeah, so this is a big promotion, and it was for Northwestern versus Chicago State, two really good baseball teams. Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to – I'm not even going to lie to our audience. The worst – Two Division One baseball teams, maybe maybe in the Midwest. Let's go with that. Two, you'll it, you'll be hard pressed to find two worse teams for a little afternoon baseball. Chicago State entered play uh, a solid 0 and 23 on the road. Faust looking for their, okay. Yep, looking for their first road win of the game. Northwestern before a sweep of Penn State. That's right, I said that a sweep of Penn State over the weekend. They were 1 and 13 in Big Ten play, but things are starting to come around for the Cats. So needless to say, I felt honored to be at that game the other day and in the mm-hmm. dugout for Chicago State. So naturally, as we talked about on the last episode, I like to, you know, fraternize with the players, chirp a little bit. You know, I have a sense of humor, can usually pick up the guys that do have a sense of humor. So obviously in the dugout, I'm right there. So of course I'm talking to people. And one of my responsibilities pregame is to get B-roll of the head coach for the Chicago State Cougars. Now B-roll is basically just normal footage of the team warming up, that sort of thing. It's a pretty simple assignment. However, thank you for thank you for translation and Big J diction. We needed that here. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. But this assignment is very simple. Find the head coach and, and film him for 30 seconds or whatever it may be of him coaching and, and that sort of thing. So 
I, being the big J investigative reporter that I am, I asked around and talked to a couple of the Chicago State Cougars when one finally informed me when I asked which one is the head coach without hesitation, Faust, without any doubt in his mind. He said, oh, he didn't make the trip this week. What? Yeah, the head coach just didn't have to show up to a road game on a Tuesday for the Chicago State Panthers and Northwestern Wildcats. Now, I thought about prying a little bit and asking, like, did he just get the day off? Does he have a side job? Is he working at the downtown Chicago Best Buy on Tuesdays? Why does he not feel the need to attend the game as the head coach? But... I just kind of chalked it up as an L and thought, you know what? He said it was so much conviction that there's obviously a good reason. And this is nothing out of the ordinary. We got to get some investigative reporting here from you, the big J that you are, because unless this guy is suspended, we've got ourselves a story here. How does a head coach not show up? Mind you, Jake, this has got to be one of the shortest road trips they take. I mean, I haven't done my research on Chicago State baseball. I know they're down a little bit this year, 0-24 on the road, but usually I follow them pretty heavily. We got to find out what's going on. Uh, I don't think things are going well on the south side of Chicago there, but you're right. You're right. Um, you could you could certainly make the argument that it was a very uh, logistically speaking a very easy trip. You know, you head up, right. uh, head up Lakeshore Drive, and eventually you'll get to Evanston, take Sheridan, go through Loyola, Chicago's Missouri Valley team, and eventually you end up at Rocky and Bernice Miller Park on the campus of Northwestern. But that just didn't happen for the Chicago State Cougars head coach. So. So, so no head coach. I mean, did they even have enough coaches for a first and third base coach or are the guys just rolling out the bats and balls and, and playing a little bit of, little bit of diamond there yeah, on you the know, south side? It was kind of like Little League where whatever player wasn't in the game, you'd have to put a batting helmet on and go coach first base and, uh, you know, kind of give them pretend signs. Yes. And that was kind of like how you made the bench warmers that only – but still in Little League, they had to at least – play one inning and bat at least once but that was like how you made them feel a little bit more a part of the team hey hey timmy hey hey kevin go go coach first base for us we really need you out there yeah i mean that's what you did with the nerds but now you have an entire division one team doing this but let's get into the play because obviously if the head coach doesn't show up there have to be other stories and other good stuff associated with this or am i just making a conviction that's totally wrong nope nope you're completely correct faust uh let's get to some of the stats that were uh, highlighted in the pregame by the btn announcers the uh, starting shortstop for the chicago state panthers come Coming in in a little bit of a slump, uh, one for 45 on the season from the plate, one for 45 as an everyday starter. That's uh, it's an 022 batting average. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. On the entire season, not just like the last 10 games, the entire season, this man is one for 45. Yes, one for 45. So you could say he's one for the season. This I haven't seen any. This is bad news bears in real life. The fact that this hasn't gotten more attention is a true. We need to bring more attention to what is going on in Chicago State. This guy's got to be a folk hero. One for forty-five, and he started every game. I mean, he's actually he's got to actually be trying, right? I got to believe so, yes. Um, another part of the game that I really liked being in the dugout, so you take uh, in, in and out, they call it, basically like infield, outfield practice before the game, 
and it was a little bit sloppy from the Panthers of Chicago State. So I will say it's probably the acting head coach, but the, basically the guy wearing a pullover instead of a jersey because that's a big baseball coach move. And he walks into the dugout just really upset with the Panthers and nothing to get them going like just a massively loud, let's go. Oh, man. Well, it, nothing more motivated than a nice let's go. Yep. I mean, especially for that shortstop. Let's go back to him. If I'm one for 45, I'm up for my 46 at bat, and my coach says, let's go. Two for 46 is guaranteed. Yeah, he got his second hit of the season, so that was big. See? Was, yeah, yeah. See? Yep. That's what I'm saying. The let's go motivation. But being in the dugout, to wrap it up, all I was really fixated on was just as the players would get out and they'd come back into the dugout, I would just follow them, put the camera in their face, and they would slam the batting helmet, slam the glove just about every time, and that never got old for me. No, and it never shouldn't, and that's what the audience needs. When you're watching a team that's 0-24, and we can relate to this having watched bad baseball in our lives before, you need that emotion. You need that anger of that team, and at least it shows they're trying. I Nothing is better in baseball than when a Gatorade cooler gets its ass beat in the dugout, and that's what all you were doing was looking for. So that's A-plus camera work from you. I appreciate that. The director kept saying, Jake, we don't need the glove-slamming shots in the dugout, and uh... – I would pretend like my head headset. Oh, tons of static. Can't hear you. And then just keep filming it. That's perfect. See, I would hire you in a heartbeat for a cameraman, but I know you have bigger and better things Whoa, just yeah. like this episode does, dude. I love that. Bigger and better things. GLF volume 96. Faust, we're counting down the episodes to where we can no longer give you the best jersey numbers with that episode. So we got to take full advantage of this. And I think episode 96 does just that. GLF research team, hard at work. And this first one is so near and dear to both you and I's heart. It really is, Jake. Our final alumnus, the one and only Charleston Hughes. In the CFL, which is great enough to know because I am here right in his country where he is one of the best players in the league, currently playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL. Originally signed by the Calgary Stampeders as a street-free agent in OA, he won true Grey Cup championships over his 10-year tenure with the club. He's a four-time CFL All-Star, six-time division All-Star, has been named the West Division's most outstanding defensive player in 2013, and like I said earlier, went to the the prestigious Harvard of the Midwest, Northwood University, and also played a little bit in the NFL, went to beak with the Eagles and brief time with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Jake. But if you're around up here, as you know, you grew up with him. Your late father was his fantastic coach. He was great at Northwood. They love him up here in the northern part of Canada. He is a legend in the CFL. As you mentioned, those two great cups, which is basically as good of which is the Super Bowl of the Canadian Football League. But Charleston Hughes wore number 96 for the Northwood Timberwolves, where he was a consensus All-American. But most notably, he was also belonged to that prestigious list of 
football players that also doubled as Ritmo babysitters. When my brothers and I hung out in the summer, Charleston Hughes was one of the guys that was there. He let Goof spend his entire allowance on a Carmelo Anthony jersey when he had just gotten drafted by the Denver Nuggets. I mean, that's a great investment. I, I can't blame him on letting him do that. I mean, those Remo Boy babysitters, including Kyle Colby, absolute legends. Jake, one thing I want to bring up with Charleston Hughes, and I hope he hears this. I know he's a big listener. But his hit at SVSU in the rain is still to this day the loudest hit I have ever heard. I have never heard a hit sound just like the crack of lightning, and that is what I saw heard and felt it shook my body there over at SVSU and that Northwood Axe victory. That's a great point because that was, and I would agree with you, that's the loudest hit I've ever been a part of. And in those days, we were still celebrating good, clean, American, fun football hits like that. Albeit, he probably ended the life of that SVSU wide receiver, but it came in a Northwood victory and an Axe Bowl championship for the Timberwolves. But Charleston Hughes, number 96. Faust, this next one, we're going to stay on the gridiron. Cortez Kennedy. The late Cortez Kennedy, rest in peace, an American football defensive tackle, played his entire career with the Seattle Seahawks. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2012, basically redefined how you could utilize a large-bodied interior lineman. He was a mountain of a man, Faust, at 6'3", 306 pounds. Faust, he also won the 1992 Defensive Player of the Year. Jake, Cortez Kennedy was an absolute man on the field. You can't talk great players if you don't bring up Cortez Kennedy. You're not doing your job. Let's move to the ice, Jake. The NHL playoffs are in full go right now, and this one is a great one. We've talked about the great Russian hockey players, especially in Detroit, but here's another one. Though he didn't play in Detroit, Pavel Bure, I was a big fan of him back when hockey was my sport. Sick brag. But, Jake, this right winger, they called him the Russian. Rocket. He was so fast, playing 12 seasons in the NHL for the Canucks, the Panthers, and the Rangers. Specifically, he was great with the Panthers. You could not catch him. Trained in the Soviet Union, played three seasons also with the Central Red Army in the KHL before he came over to the NHL. An absolute rocket on the ice, Jake. One of the 100 greatest players in NHL history in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Sick brag here in Toronto, which you and I have been to together. He is enshrined there. Great player on the ice. I love it, Faust. We've got a little NFL, we've got a little Northwood football, and we close it out with a little action on the ice. That's your list of number 96s. It is GLF Volume 96 here on Sports Radio America. We are just getting started. When we come back, we're talking draft. We're going around the league in the NBA and NHL playoffs, and we will close it out with the Pulse and some Kentucky Derby talk. Stick around. GLF. Be right back after this. He's halfway through Big J school at Northwestern and on the verge of failing miserably. It's Jake Ritma joined by Alex Faust. Welcome to GLF. Good to be back with you on the Great Lakes Forum. He is Alexander C. Faust. I am Jake Ritma. 
about, I know it wasn't any action on the gridiron this past week, but it was about as good as it gets in the offseason. That was actually something we talked about last week. I still think the draft gets overhyped. It's still a great night in a great weekend even not just a great night but especially that first round and for the time of year it's certainly exciting but I do think a lot of those hot takes go away as the summer goes on and we get into the dog days of training camp and when it's all said and done boils down to what teams are winning football games. I agree with you completely. Now, I self-admittedly am a big draft nerd. You know that. A lot of people that know me know that. But it is getting a little bit out of control. Now, I will say I liked that it was on Fox this year because I could pick up a lot easier when I moved from location to location. Rich Eisen and the NFL Network crew because they do a fantastic job, especially compared to ESPN. That said, one thing I want to bring up, you talk about overhyped. We got to get rid of the former players in the second round announcing and people going up there giving speeches and then announcing the pick get that crap out of there goodell just give me the damn pick and let's move on it's already taking long enough and then goodell bringing kids in wheelchair or cowboys up there so people don't boo him get out of there this is crap i want to know the players it's about the players so jake i gotta agree with you on the overhyped Goodell will do anything to try to create this false sense of hope that people don't actually hate him. Even to the point when he brought up Aikman and and Roger Staubach, right? Hall of Fame right. Cowboys, and they were still just booing him. Mercilessly. And, you know, for the longest time, I thought Gary Bettman getting booed, that being the NHL commissioner, when he comes out to give the cup, regardless of where he was, whether it was regular season giving the cup, he got booed so badly, a deep boo. And you and I are both fans of a great boo. That said, I think Goodell passed him in terms of this boo in Dallas was intense. Yeah, no doubt about that. But So you didn't like uh, my guy Nate Burleson up there in the Lions jacket? Uh, and, Hated it. Uh, talking about the uh, hard-working blue-collar, lunch-pail-packing men and women that built this country of Detroit. You didn't like that? <laughs> No, didn't love that. It's, I know, and I love Nate Burleson, but I know he lives in New York City in a posh high-rise apartment to go to Good Morning Football every morning. So no, Nate. <laughs> Everybody, knew, I didn't like David Akers, the kicker, making a fool out of himself. Yeah. The only thing I'd say I liked was the Chargers fan speaking in Spanish and telling the Cowboys to bend the knee to the Chargers, the future Super Bowl champs. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, David Akers, he like... He was trying to smack talk the Cowboys, but he was yelling and his voice is so high. It, it reminded me of like a kicking and screaming scene where Will Ferrell's having a meltdown and screaming, but like it's meant to be funny and you're laughing at them. Like he looked like a character from a scene out of that type of that type of comedic relief. One, you brought up kicking and screaming, which is great when we do that. We've done it on multiple episodes. <laughs> we could finish the episode with that. But two, you're, you're spot on. And we, the kicker world, don't need that negativity. Everything needs to be positive for the brand. David Akers, he should be kicked out of the fraternity because this is that was 
frankly embarrassing. Bold claim. He actually, more more accurately, I've got a better movie reference for you. The scene on I Love You, Man, when he try, he's, trying to oh, make, yes. he's trying to make friends and he goes to the Galaxy game. Here we go, Galaxy! Here we go! I love soccer! This is I love awesome. soccer! This, this is, is awesome. awesome! That's what David Akers sounded like. It's terrible. Now, again, I could go on because you just quoted two of my favorite movies all the time. But, Jake, let's get into the picks and let's start with number one overall. We are a pro Baker Mayfield podcast. He mentioned us in his Heisman Trophy speech, thanked us, really. And you're welcome, Baker, again. He goes number one. The most surprising thing, you know, it didn't surprise me that much because – you know, there were rumors that other teams would trade up to get him. But the one that surprised me the most, Jake, was if he didn't go one to the Browns, the Patriots were going to trade up to two to get him. Wait, How wait, much wait, do you wait. believe Let me, that? I, I'm going to interrupt you because I the Dan Patrick show talked in this in, in detail on this. Do you really believe okay. that? Or do you do you think that that was that was another just kind of a, a selling a big a headliner there? Do you really believe that they were the Patriots were going to move up to number two? to get Baker Mayfield. It's okay if you do. I'm just asking. Or do you think that's, that's just one of those those comments with a lot of smoke? Like, who really believes that? I think they tried. I think they tried to give up 23 and 31. I really do think they tried. They just got rejected by the Giants. I mean, so it's easier to say it's just smoke and mirror now that it didn't happen, but I guarantee you that phone call was made. But, you know, it it is the Patriots, and we know Bill Belichick will find something to get his players going and could be Tom Brady to get him going, had a tumultuous offseason, and for him to come say, who are trading up to get Baker Mayfield and might light a fire under him. So that could be it. But I think a call was made. Well, that's going really well with Tom and Bill Belichick and just the entire relationship. Because earlier this week, did you see that interview with Tom Brady when they he was asked if he feels the Patriots organization appreciates him and appreciates all of his accomplishments, to which he responded with, no comment. I plead the fifth. See, and I think this is all just to get the chip on the shoulder, to light the fire. When you've won that many times, you got to find something new each year. You know the Patriots do. I think it, that is more smoke than them asking for the Baker Mayfield at two if he didn't go one. But that's just my hot take. All right, all right, I like that. Yeah, Michael Jordan used to find have to find ways to motivate himself, and I think Brady might fall into that category as well. But, Faust, in that first round, a couple other surprises. Let's stay with the Cleveland Browns. I was shocked at four. They took Denzel Ward, the cornerback out of Ohio State, when Bradley Chubb was still on the board, which many experts had as the best all-around player in this draft. I I don't understand this pick. I understand it's a pick in terms of need. You need a corner, but you could have gotten other good corners. A corner from Louisville, Jair was a great corner. You had Minka Fitzpatrick later. You had Derwin James who fell, but you take a small under 5'10 corner who you're going to now, his entire career is going to be compared to Bradley Chubb because you skipped on Bradley Chubb, and that's just not fair. I don't understand everything. Ever taken a DB in the top five, let alone the top 10. But here the Browns are. You have one in four. And in my opinion, Jake, they screwed it up because you could have had Chubb or Barkley at one and still gotten Baker Mayfield 
at four. Yes, that is most def- likely. That's definitely the consensus with a lot of the people that get paid a lot more than we do. Not actually, I shouldn't say a lot, just a little bit more than yeah. what we get paid for for our opinions. But that definitely is the consensus. And even even if the Jets there at number three who took Sam Darnold, even if they do take Baker Mayfield, is is Sam Darnold as your consolation really a loss? Is there that much difference, that much of a gap between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold? I don't even know how the two can actually be separated. I mean, there just wasn't a clear front runner as the best quarterback in this draft. And to use your number one pick on it, I mean, albeit I love it because it's Baker Mayfield and we've been on the Baker Maker bandwagon since day one. And I think he's going to have a great NFL career. So I still love that you took him, but I think you could have gotten Bradley Chubb at one and Baker Mayfield at three. I agree completely, Jake. I think that is a great take. You are spot on with that. And I don't know. I mean, there's the Browns. You you know, if you would have told me that a team had two picks in the top five and this is what they came away with, arguably the second or third best quarterback, depending which expert you talk to, because I agree. I think Darnold was arguably the best, if not the best we've seen in a few years quarterback to take you know Chris Sims was talking about that on Bleacher Report but you know we'll see the the thing about these grades early we know nothing Jake some of these guys could flame out pick 199 of the Titans Luke Falk quarterback could be the next Tom Brady who was also taken 199 so we're not gonna know for another few years that might have been a little bit of a stretch but you know what I'll be optimistic with you Faust let's continue through that first round a lot of people in Chicago happy with that Roquan Smith draft pick for the Bears I think the Bears actually improved themselves and again this is all hearsay because we don't really know until they get in minicamp but what the Bears did really they just they had a lot of needs which similar to the Lions when you have a lot of needs you can address them but I thought they did a great job with the bear with their drafting as well I now the Lions pick Faust it's it's Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas top rated center at number 20 and they get a C I don't know do you think the Lions made the right pick with Frank Ragnow I think he has the potential to be a phenomenal offensive lineman for a long time but would he have been available in the second round Jake, I'm glad you mentioned the Bears because I'd say the Bears, if you're looking at just grades, they are one of the top five teams in terms of improvement. They did a lot of good things there, so a lot going on in your city that are positive. Now let's get to the lines. Frank, right now, like you said, I think he's going to be a really good player. He could be a top 10 Pro Bowl center. But look at your biggest need. We've talked about it at length. It's the defense and especially the D-line and the players you skipped to take a center you probably could have gotten in the second round or, you know, Will Hernandez, the guard who we talked up on last week's show, he slipped to the second round. You could have taken him. The guard on the Nevada got past you in the second round. Who could have you gotten at the front of your defense that instead you took a center? Now the other side of it, he's a very good player. And yes, you were finally admitting that your run game is terrible and you need to address it, but just maybe in a different way. Yeah, especially with guys like James Daniels, who is still, um, in in some ways, 
front of the center out of Iowa, people thought the Lions might go with him. Yes. You had the pass rushing ability of Harold Landry, who also fell, I was surprised, out of Boston College. Is At one point last year, if he would have come out of Boston College, was projected to be a top 10 pick. And he goes back. he's the case where he went back to school and it ended up costing him. Right. It costed him until he realized what team he was going to, and the Tennessee Titans traded up to get him. I mean, what a draft for the Titans to get a linebacker in Evans that's going to start from day one. And now you add depth to your outside rush with Harold Lander, who was a top 10 pick last year, top 10 talent. I mean, what a first two rounds for the Tennessee Titans. I'm glad you're optimistic. Very, very good. Yeah, Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. I thought he was a, a great pick for them to move up at 22. I thought it was a really deep linebacker class, which is good to see. Yes, it was. And Vander Esch going to the Cowboys, I think, fits. You know, with Sean Lee, you spoke of linebackers. Sean Lee getting older. Vander Esch, good player. You know, interesting, he came from eight-man football in a tiny Idaho Town walked on to Boise State, now first round pick in the NFL. So what a story that is, Jake. But, you know, some very interesting picks. I thought Brashad Penny going in the first round of the Seahawks made a lot of sense. Just kidding. It made no sense. Seattle Seahawks, what are you doing? Russell Wilson is running for his life. Your O-line is terrible. You had multiple guys there to take, and you take a running back. Especially in a draft class that had so many good running backs, and he's nowhere near the top of the list. Nobody saw Rashad Penny out of San Diego State getting taken in the first round over guys like Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Darius Geis, all of these guys that those running backs were ranked so much higher than Penny. The only thing I can think of, Jake, is his ability to return the football. But those guys are a dime a dozen in a play that they're trying to take out of football, that being the kickoff and the kickoff return. So I don't understand that one at all with Seattle. I mean, your quarterback's only good if he's on his feet, not on his back, which the Lions address. So credit to them, too. You know, and and it's interesting. We talk about the rankings, Jake, and, you know, all these mock drafts. You know, I've seen the Lions get a B, and I've seen the Lions be 32nd out of 32 teams in terms of what they're getting. So, you know, it's all over the place who did well, who didn't. It's all subjective. We're not going to go right away, but it is fun to talk about. And, you know, one other thing that really stuck out to me, it seemed like there were run-on positions. You know, one or two running backs would go, and all of a sudden teams would trade up to get them. Or one or two tight ends would go, and teams would trade up, and they'd all go off the board. So that was a trend I thought that was interesting this year. If one went, a few positions started going. Yeah, it was like a little bit of a dominoes effect. But it was the first time, and I want to make sure we get this right, but first time since 2010, I believe, in which more running backs were taken in the first round than wide receivers. Yes, very true. And it looks like I heard Mike Mayock talking about this, that teams are now looking at wide receivers kind of like running backs a few years ago when we didn't even see them go in the first round. You know, production of first year wide receivers has been down, whether it's due to performance or injury. You know, Corey Davis, Kevin White, first rounder from West Virginia in your city, Chicago, is basically going to be a rookie for the fourth straight year because of injury. You know, so there's been a lot of underwhelming receivers. I think the one that's interesting, though, is Calvin Ridley to the Falcons. You match him up with Julio Jones, there's your deep threat. That's going to open up that Atlanta offense a lot for, you know, a two- to three-year window left with Matt Ryan to go for a Super Bowl. 
Yes, that was a pick in which on our draft coverage at Medill Sports Talk in downtown Chicago for our three and a half hour first round draft special, which we really highlighted that selection. I think the Falcons made some power moves and you said it, they, they recognize that window is closing and want to make a run to the Super Bowl. So the, the one and only Darren Zaslow, the great Darren Zaslow and I were on the air when that pick was made and it was brutal because we had to agree on the fact that Atlanta just made a great pick. You know, knowing Zaz a little bit that I do, it is tough to agree with him. So thoughts and prayers to you for having to do that. Thank you. I uh, you know, that. Jake, you you brought something up in pre-production I want to talk about. It is I think it's a great take. Does anyone actually know any of this? No, they don't. And you said it first. I mean, people forget Mel Kuyper Jr. said he would retire if Jimmy Clausen was a bad quarterback. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't been in the league for two years, Mel. Jimmy Clausen, he did say that. If he's not a franchise quarterback, I will retire. And Mel Kuyper, he makes a lot of money, Faust. He makes a ton of money, and I'm done with Mel Kuyper. The fact that Todd McShay, Todd, 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 who Michigan grad, who's great at his job for as good as you can be as a draft analyst, he watches film, he evaluates it, he's involved in the college game, unlike Mel Kuyper. He can't be on that main ESPN stage on day one per Mel Kuyper's contract. Mel, and also Mel's hair. It's, uh, it's, I don't think it has the shine that it used to. I think he's recognizing that the end of the road is coming and hasn't put as much effort into the gelling of the hair back, and it really shows. He might have to switch to radio. Yeah, he might have to. He's got a face for radio. You know, I think he thought he was cool because he used to be able to memorize guys. But now with the Internet and all the coverage, it's not that great anymore, Mel. You're not that good. That said, Jake, another crazy stat I saw. They looked at all of the professional mock drafts and the best one went 8 of 32 in the first round, that being Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. Some went 1 of 32, a few of 0 of 32, the average being 3 of 32 picks right. Now, I know there were some trades this and that, but still, that means, like you said earlier in pre-production, nobody knows anything except for us here at the G Great Lakes Forum. Very true, because I sent you that mock draft that uh, I whipped up, and I think, yes. I think I got three right. I know I had... Some Saquon Barkley, and mm -hmm. let me see. I definitely didn't have Baker. Um, no, but you talked – but the thing about the Baker one is interesting because you did talk about – we talked about those reports. Yeah. So it wouldn't have surprised me if under the gun you would have put Baker at one. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. I had Raquan Smith at eight. Um, let me see. What else did I have? Oh, shoot. That might have been the only one I had right. Oh, Faust, I think I only had two right. You know what? I gave it my all, though. I gave it my all. I like That's what, what matters. Yes, I like how Buffalo slid in there cleverly to get Lamar Jackson, and they might. there's going to be a nice competition for Joe Flacco's backup between RG3 and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. And by Buffalo, you mean Baltimore. It's going to be pretty interesting who's going to get that backup. I mean, who's <laughs> I really Buffalo? elite? I meant Baltimore. I promise I That's meant okay. Baltimore. I don't want That's to lose okay. all credibility with our audience. You know, a lot of bees and a lot going on. Buffalo takes Josh Allen, moves up, hated his velvet suit, by the way. Yeah, Terrible move. Luck. 
off the Josh Allen bandwagon simply because of that. You know, the Lamar Jackson thing was interesting. I think it got a lot more attention than it really needed to. Um, I don't think he'll be great in the NFL because the NFL neutralizes your speed most of the time. I mean, yes, Michael Vick, but Michael Vick didn't do a ton in the NFL. I know it was a lot of highlight tape, but in terms of winning games, it wasn't there. So that one's going to be interesting. Yeah, true. But that said, Baltimore is the worst franchise. I can't stand them. So I can't really talk objectively about that. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot you hate them. But that's our draft thoughts for this edition of the Great Lakes Forum. If you ask Faust and I, the two best teams were obviously the Lions and the Titans, totally objectively speaking. But Faust, when we come back, we're talking Kentucky Derby, and we'll go around the leagues quickly and get you ready for another weekend. The first weekend in May, which is one of the best weekends because of the Kentucky Derby. That's coming up next on GLF. The Great Lakes Forum is back. Unfortunately, we haven't found any better hosts yet. You're stuck with Jake Rietma and Alex Faust. All right, final segment of the day on the 96th edition of the Great Lakes Forum. Alexander Faust joining me from Canada. What a city specifically, Faust? I know you said it, but I wasn't listening. Barrie, Ontario, home of the Barrie Colts of the Ontario Hockey League. Nice area, so I've heard. Is, are, the yes. Saginaw, are the Saginaw Spirit the only team in Michigan in the Ontario Hockey League? No, actually, Flint has a team, oh, and I right. think there that's may right. be one more team. But, yes, a few of the Michigan teams, but, you know, you got the Windsor Spitfires, uh, the Sioux Greyhounds up there in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. A lot of good hockey players in the OHL. A lot of nice areas as well. But mm-hmm. that's our perfect segue, segue, segue into the NHL playoffs, which I, for one, have been absolutely captivated by. I feel like I've had my fanhood for the NHL. Yes, last year's playoffs kind of rejuvenated as well, but living alone, not having any friends, and loving hockey and spending my evenings with Doc Emmerich and the NBC Sports Network broadcast crew has really just reborn my love for hockey. Couldn't agree with you more, and I'm glad my beautiful wife is a big hockey girl. We've had it on constantly. Even my dog, Nash, has become a hockey dog. He loves the red line to red line action. Jake, you know, we saw the Caps do a great job of taking a 2-1 lead, and but what about those Jets? You know, I had $20 that they would beat the Wild in six games. They beat them in five, so I lost that bet, unfortunately. But this Jets team, Hellebuck is hot. They're scoring goals. I'm seeing a collision course right now, Jake. Caps and Jets in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's my guess right now. Bold prediction, which I love. And you know what's interesting is – Recently, and I forget what major outlet public uh, publicized this article, but it was some sort of study in which they collected data on you know teams winning percentages and different things of that nature to comprise a list of the worst sports cities or the most sufferable sports cities, and Winnipeg was on that list. I don't know exactly where they fell within the top 10, but Cleveland was on the list. I'm sure Detroit was. 
Um, I'm trying to think what other cities were, but point being, this could be an opportunity for Winnipeg to rewrite that script and make those fans in Winnipeg proud of their Jets hockey team. Oh, they're very proud. They've got the whiteout, but there is not a lot there. So the misery is very real. But they are up on Nashville making the best team of the regular season, the President's Trophy, look bad. But it's it's been great, Jake. You're right. The action has been off of them. Let's talk quickly. NBA playoffs. LeBron goes into Toronto the night that I was arriving in Toronto first Tuesday night, gets the first Game one win in a hostile environment. Can we just talk about Drake? You said it. Does he think he owns the team? What is he doing? Like, it, it would be funnier if it was more of a, I don't know. And I and I hate to be so, I guess, uh, predictable in my stereotypes. But I think, like, the old crazy guys are a lot funnier when it relates to courtside at the NBA. Think Jack Nicholson for the Lakers with his sunglasses on or um, the owner of the Clippers. Steve, Steve Ballmer, is that his name? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Microsoft guy, right? Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. You know your owners. Yeah, so but when he's like in the front row with a tucked in polo and jeans and New Balance or Nike Monarch shoes, acting a fool, like that's the kind of stuff that's funny. I don't need to see Drake out there thinking like high fiving with the players, thinking running onto the field like he owns the team, like he's a member of the team. He's not with them in training camp. It's just convenient for him and his brand right now to be seen during the playoffs, and he's trying to take full advantage of of the spotlight right kid off the court he's fraternizing with the other team fraternizing with the guys he's literally on the court during a bad call like he's a coach get out of here jersey drake i, I can't take it go sit on the cn tower and take a picture for your album cover again i like the dancing usher at uh formerly at the palace now little caesar's arena those are the kind of team associations i like as opposed to like these rappers and superstars and i know jay-z in that song says sitting courtside nicks and nets give me high fives you know that's cool and stuff but it just doesn't do it for me you know what jay-z i sat courtside in a Knicks game sick brag once so you and i are the same people but jake nba playoffs are moving along i wish they moved as quickly as the nba the nhl playoffs rather they don't but what is coming up this weekend the most exciting two minutes in sports we love it here on great lakes forum talk about it all the time the kentucky derby baby the first saturday in may and one of the first signs of summer did that sound like it that was perfect. Is that a good trumpet? That was amazing. I, I think we can workshop that a little bit. But Faust, yes, fastest two minutes, best two minutes in sports. It's still one of the events on my bucket list to broadcast. Could to just name all of the horses as fast and as loud as I can. Justify and Magnum Moon, now Boltodro and Audible. And- It'd be great. And we're going to have to do that next episode or one episode of the Dog Days of Summer. Just an entire episode of choosing years and trying to do it as quickly as we can. But... Jake, this is one of the most talented fields we've seen in a while. They're saying up to 12 different horses have a good chance to win. It's going to be very competitive, tough to bet. There are some favorites. You know, you've got Magnum Moon at 6-1, to one, Justify currently at 3-1. to one. We could see Mendelssohn go to 3-1, to one, currently at 5-1. to one. Jake, I'm going to give my pick, though. 
My pick for the win. And ladies and gentlemen, if you go put money down on win, wet the beat, give me some of it. Because my boy Jack at 30 to 1 out of the 10 spot is going to come around late and win the Kentucky Derby. Look at that. Giving the lead away right at the beginning. Who you're taking. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like the confidence. And uh, Kevin Malone reminds us if someone gives you 10,000 to 1 odds, you take it. 30 to 1 odds, not quite 10,000, but certainly would you be in for a nice payoff. As I always do, I just choose by the name that I like. But getting back to the Kentucky Derby, I also love it because it symbolizes hope because whatever horse wins the Kentucky Derby, they're on pace to win the Triple Crown, right? Right. They're on pace and we could see it again. You know, for the longest time, we didn't see one. We've seen one recently. It was extremely exciting in American Feral. So, you know, it's fun. I like the horse right in the ambiance. I will actually maybe be there. It is not determined. I will be in Lexington, only an hour away from Louisville. So hopefully I can make up there and GLF can get some coverage. Deservedly so at the Kentucky Derby. What outfit will you wear is a better question, because I know you'll come up with something ridiculous and you have to. Right. I do have to, you know, if anybody has any suggestions, think of the douchiest person you've ever seen dressed up nicely for something. Describe it or take a picture and send it to me because obviously that would fit me perfectly. Jake, I'd probably go with the seersucker, you know, that being the blue and white stripes. I'm a big fan of the seersucker. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what I get into, though. Would if Allie goes with you, beautiful wife Allie, will she wear one of those wild, crazy big hats? She's going to have to, right? Are you even allowed so. in if you're a girl and you don't have one on? I, I, you certainly sh it should be mandatory because those hats are awesome. They're awesome. I love it. I assume she will too, but we're down there for her cousin's graduation from the esteemed University of Kentucky, the Wildcats, formerly home of the greatest athletic trainer in the world, Brian Weiss. But, you know, it should be a good time. Very excited. We'll see if we get into the infield. But, you know, it's, it's a year to watch, Jake. It's talented. It's wide open. We've come into this some years knowing who's going to win, and they won. But this year, we just don't know. We certainly don't. But it'll be fun no matter what. Faust, who was your pick again? My boy Jack, 31, coming out of gate 10. Okay, I like that. My boy Jack. So Justify has the best odds at 3-1. to one. And let's see, some of these other odds that we've got. Um, I, 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 there's a lot of 30-1 to one odds. Now, these can all change and whatnot. But as I always do, I like to go with the horse simply on the name. I like the name Lone Sailor. I know 50-1 to one odds, so uh, not necessarily great odds, but could be a handsome payout if I do, in fact, decide to put some money down on it. But uh, Lone Sailor, I, I like the name. Ooh, I like that name too. That I may have to put a place on him. See if he does top three. Nope, nope. I already called him. Can't. I. I already called it. You know. I are you going to win or are you going to show? You know horse betting. Yeah, yeah. I do. There. I just know that. Uh, They'll take my money regardless. Yeah, but you know what? It's fun. You had a good time. And you've had good luck at the Greyhound races, so why not move to a different That's animal true. on the that horse? That's true. I won. What year did I win at the Kentucky Derby? I think 2016. Maybe it was 2015 with American Pharaoh. Yeah, it probably was because everybody was picking him. But uh, I have not won the last two years. 
Or maybe, no, I definitely didn't win in 2017, last year. I can't remember if I won in 16 or 15. But point being, it is the best two minutes of sports. Really exciting. I also someday want to be the reporter that interviews the winning jockey on the horse. Because you just hear and see the microphone bouncing up and down. And every soundbite is like, how did you do on the race? Yeah, oh, that's yeah, that's the best. And to see how little the jockeys are. They're almost like little people out there. <laughs> Thank you for using the politically correct term, little people. Yes. Right? Faust, that's all the time we have. Fantastic episode, per usual, my friend. Always a good time. And big weekend ahead, NBA, NHL playoffs, and the Kentucky Derby. Jake, it's going to be great. I will keep you and the listeners updated if I am at the Derby or not. There will be a lot of content from GLF. Looking forward to a good weekend in a beautiful bluegrass state. That's right. And as always, we thank you all for tuning in. Could not do it without you. For my broadcast partner, Alexander C. Faust, I am Jake Riedma. Thanking you all for listening. And until we talk next time, we remind you to stay woke. And go mad.